And having been warned in a dream, they departed for their country by another way. Uh, during the week, I had the opportunity to um, attend a, a guest speaker uh, from Ireland uh, at Bellarmine College Prep. They were hosting uh, Padraig Atuma, a great Irish uh, poet. Um, and it was a, a great experience. But in it, he reminded us of um, how um, poetry has different forms. Like there are different ways in which poetry is written uh, for different audiences. And, um, and I, I for, sort of, I know I'd learned that in college, but I'd forgotten it, that you know, not all poetry is the same. There's different types of poetry, there's sonnets, there's, you know, you've got all different forms. But each of them are written for an audience and with a message, right? So there's, there's both. Uh, and, and that's true, he reminded us, uh, for all scripture, uh, for all of, uh, uh, of literature. I mean, when you think of it like a letter, for example, I mean, a letter is a different genre of writing than, for example, a story, right? You don't write the letter the same way you write a story, and story is not the same as an exhortation or a poem. They're all different. But even inside of those, each one of them are different. So, like, he talked about poems are different, but, well, a letter could be different. You could have a letter of complaint. You could have a love letter. You can have a letter that's written to a company. You can have a letter of inquiry. And thus goes on, and the audience plays a role. To whom are you writing this, and for what purpose are you writing it? So there's two things that play a role when you write these. Um, and, and the reason why I think that's so, hel uh, so helpful today for us is that the, the Bible is not a single book or a single book or, of one particular genre. It's more like a library of books. Uh, each of them are, are a different type, uh, different form, and, and then inside of that form, there are different ways. You know, we call this form criticism, but in the Gospels, the four Gospels, while they're all of the genre of a Gospel, they're all very different because they're written for an audience that's different, and their style is different. So today we hear from Matthew's Gospel, which is very different than Luke's gospel, which we've been listening to pretty much all of the Christmas season and a lot of the uh, Advent season. Um, Luke was the same author that wrote Luke as the same author wrote the Acts of the Apostles. And he, and he wrote um, very much for a, a, um, an audience set that was both men and women. So every time in Luke's gospel you hear a parable for a uh, man, there's, a neat, there's another one right for a woman. So the lost coin the lo uh, and the lost sheep. Lost sheep, lost coin. They're, you know, one for a man, one for a woman. So it's very uh, equal, right? But Matthew's, and, and when we hear the infancy narrative, there's great details about how Mary uh, gave birth. And there's the whole storyline, how they get rejected at the inn and they go, right? Matthew has none of it. Very, very completely different style. Like Matthew starts off with that whole long list of who Jesus was born to, right? And in that, the whole list of three generations of 14 generations, and go names every, this person is son of this, is son of that, and son of this, and son of that. And then he throws in a handful of women. Just a handful. Like as if women just had an accidental. So part of it. So, well, the audience wasn't, wasn't women, you see. The audience was for the male, typically were 
they, and he constantly is citing Old Testament scripture because it was sent, Matthew's audience was meant to be, or we can understand it to be, a very literate and scribe-oriented group. So they were educated. And what was he trying to educate them? He was, just, he was trying to tell them that this is the Messiah and you've missed it. You have missed it. You're the educated ones and you have missed it. This is the Messiah. And so he's, he emphasizes the line, uh, the lineage of, of David, right? And that's his point. And so he's trying, then David was a king. And so we go to great lengths to hear to see that these Gentile kings, Gentiles would have been the foreigners, came to show us the way. Now, that would have been pretty hard for them to hear that these three magi came and they knew it was Jesus, was the Messiah. And they led it and they pointed the way. They followed the star and so they got it. So, and he has got this cross point which intersect at, at the fact that it's Jesus is the Messiah, he is the son of a Jew, and he is a Jew. And he is the one that we comes to change the whole world. And it was not made known to us except by foreigners, by Gentiles, which was being really hard to hear. So, so that's all great exegesis, great to understand all that. But what does that mean for us today? Well, I think we need to look at what is it the Magi did. First of all, the Magi, to break this open, the Magi were open to listening, even though they weren't Jews themselves. They were open to wisdom. They were open to divine grace and followed where it took them. Now, we would do well to be open to divine grace and follow where it takes us. I think we sometimes, when we're inside the church, you see, sometimes when we're inside the church, we just follow the rules. But when, you're, when you are expecting something different, like the Gentiles here, that they weren't expecting rules, they just went wherever the light shone, wherever it took them to. In this case, they took them to the baby Jesus. So the first thing we, we ought to do is follow our, the the light of grace, the light of God that will follow, it will shine our way to something and then make sure it follows us to Christ. So follow the light that brings us closer to Christ. Now, for most of us, that's going to be inside the church, but for some at home, it may not be. It may be that you are straying away from the church and that's difficult for us to hear, but sometimes that light draws us away to eventually draw us back. So we need to follow the light that takes us to Christ and more like Christ. And then when we get to Christ, in this case, what do they do? They worship and adore and they put down their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Symbols of the king. Right? That's the price, prophet, and king. Now, what are we to learn from that? Well, can we put our gifts, they may not be gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but can we put our gifts to the Lord's? To the Lord's will and offer them to the Lord to use for the greater good for others. And what does that mean? It depends on your gifts. But to not hold on to our gifts, but to share our gifts with the rest of humanity. Whether that be in the church, whether that be in school, or whether that be at work, or whether we have the greater community, that we share the gifts that God has given us with the greater humanity. And then the final step that they do is they leave, they depart by a different way. They were open to conversion. 
But once we experience Christ heart to heart, we go back a different way. We're not the same. We could never be the same once we realize how much we're loved by God. And we ought not to be the same um, because of this conversion. So, so we are called to, in a sense, to uh, allow that conversion to happen and, and be expected to change and be different as a result of it and be open to being different. Uh, whether that be, mean that, that we be quieter and we listen or that where we be humble and let everyone else, somebody else speak, or whether we take the lead and, and, and show the way to Christ, or whether we speak to point the way to Christ. It depends on, on our circumstance of where we're at. And the final thing I, I would suggest that we, we notice about the, the Magi is they were foreigners, and, and that we need to be will, willing to welcome the stranger or the foreigner among us. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're from far lands. I mean, people who don't necessarily feel welcomed. We need to reach out to them and be inclusive, to really make an effort to welcome them to the table. There are some groups that we really need to work harder on. And one of the groups I suggest today, because we're opening the youth center, is we really need to work harder on welcoming the youth into our church. It, 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 they don't necessarily feel as at home as maybe when we did when we were younger. And, and we need to be inclusive. We need to make accommodations for them. We need to have a place for them with which they can call their home. And that's why we've built this, this youth center, so they can feel at home here. But a place is not going to be enough for them. Every one of us needs to be welcoming, encouraging, and, 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 and calling them forth, inviting them. Not, not, could, not necessarily harassing them, but, but I think inviting them into the table. So I, I think we can learn a lot from the Magi, and we can learn a lot from this particular passage from Matthew's Gospel. It's a different form than Luke, by all means, but it's very rich with meaning and symbols. And so let us listen to, 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 to this challenge that we are called to follow the light that brings us to Christ. We are called to offer our gifts to Christ and the world in service to his kingdom. And we're called to allow ourselves uh, to be converted, to have a conversion experience. And then we're called to welcome others to the table, most especially the youth. And that is how we can celebrate the gift of the gospel.